And uh, I was just thinking, we have been in three funerals in less than two weeks. I did two of them and we attended uh, the one Thursday. We had good news last evening. Our daughter called us and there was discussion with her oncologist about chemo, no chemo. And uh, the message we got last night was her saying she won't have to do chemo. And we believe that's answered prayer and leadership of the Lord. Uh, She had called Friday and was going to have to make a decision. She said by Monday... And we prayed and we asked God for wisdom. And I believe he gave wisdom. Amen. I came across this little anecdote when I was uh, prepping for funerals. And I don't know, some of you are aware, I used, to, I used to like to walk in cemeteries and look at old gravestones and dates and everything, you know. Um, but this is about a man who was, who was in the cemetery, and uh, he noticed on one of, the, one of the gravestones this inscription. Pause, my friend, as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare, my friend, to follow me. And he heard that a visitor had come by there and read that. Put a little note underneath it. To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. Oh. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. Are you glad you don't have to spell it? Amen. I'm going to begin in verse 13. To many of us, this is a familiar passage. To some, it may be not so familiar. Paul's writing, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And he's talking about those who have died. That ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's talking about those who have died knowing Christ. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another. You hold your place there. I'm going to read you two verses out of 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 51 and 52. Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Lord, bless our, our time this morning. As we deal with this, this subject, the rapture. I pray that you would help us to understand about it and that you would move in our hearts about the nearness of it and our need to be prepared for it. And I certainly pray if there's any in this room who have never been saved that they would understand That if the rapture would happen at any second, they'll be left behind. And they will never get to heaven. Heavenly Father, do what only you can do in, in our hearts here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The rapture, a mystery revealed. Our subject this morning is one I believe is on the minds of most believers today. And I believe it's even on the minds of many unbelievers. The subject is the rapture. The rapture of Christians is revealed in the Bible and happens just prior to the seven-year tribulation period. Interestingly, the Apostle Paul refers to the events of the rapture as a mystery. Now, the definition of the word mystery is much different in today's English than what the Bible word for mystery means. We all know that our English word mystery refers to something we cannot know or unexplained, unexplainable. Something that's kept secret from us. However, the definition of the word mystery in the Bible does not refer to something unknown, but rather
to a truth not previously revealed. There's a couple of places where Paul refers to a mystery. Great is the mystery of godliness. Those, those aren't things we can't know. They're things that had not been revealed that are now revealed. The rapture of the church was a spiritual truth when Paul's writing that up to that time had not been revealed. The Old Testament didn't talk about the rapture. Thus far in the New Testament, we haven't seen the rapture. Jesus talked about his second coming. You with me? But this is a mystery. Something hadn't been revealed. One of the sources I looked at said, the mysteries of the Bible refers to that which being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension can only be known by divine revelation and is made known by God to those who are illuminated by the Holy Spirit. To break that down, he's saying a mystery is something that God is revealing and he's revealing it through the Holy Spirit. And of course, Paul, when he wrote, was being guided by the Holy Spirit. David Jeremiah defined the rapture as this. In summary, the rapture is an event where all who have put their trust in Christ, living and deceased, will suddenly be caught up from the earth, be joined with Christ in the air, and taken to heaven. We know that. But see, it's been revealed to us. Today, we're, we're living in very troubling times. Here in America, our culture has turned 180 degrees morally. Crime is rampant, especially in our big cities. Our economy is struggling with inflation. Our government is working against the middle class average family. We are battling the COVID epidemic. All sexual restraints are gone. Our so-called news sources have become nothing more than propaganda outlets for the socialist crowd. Our children are being indoctrinated in humanistic theology. And not only in America are these troubling times, but things are troubling on a worldwide scale. I try not to pay attention to the news, but I pick up bits and pieces. Russia is flexing her muscles towards Ukraine. 
China is threatening Taiwan. And the fact is, China is dominating the world trade. Both Iran and North Korea are developing nuclear weapons and vowing to use them. The reality is, we seem to be living in what Paul describes the world to be in the last days. Jump over there a couple of pages, 2 Timothy 3. Verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Those are bad days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Perilous times. Seems like we may well be in it. And it seems like nowadays Christians are talking about, Preacher, do you think we're in the last days? Even unsaved people sometimes ask the same question. I couldn't help but think about a few years ago, Tim LaHaye wrote a whole series based on the rapture left behind. They made a movie of it. And not just Christians bought the books. And not just Christians went to see the movie. There's a concern. There's an interest. There's a looking around and saying, hey, maybe. Today, I want to share with you four truths. Basic truths about the rapture. Number one, oh, I wanted to put that up. I like that. The rapture, when the believing will be leaving. Amen. The rapture is a real event. John 14. I read this. Most of the time, when I do a funeral, because there's comfort there, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. Now look at the next phrase. I go to prepare a place for you. And 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Is that what your Bible says? He says, I will come and receive you unto myself. Though where I am, there you may be also. We looked at 1 Thessalonians 4. We looked at 1 Corinthians 15. All of these point to this, this truth that the rapture is a real event. People say, especially the Jehovah's Witness, that word rapture does not appear in the Bible. They're absolutely right. The word rapture does not appear in the Bible, nor does Trinity. Hmm? But they're both truths that are shown to us in the Bible. The word Trinity and the word rapture are words that were used to describe what's been given in the Bible. The word rapture comes from the Greek word harpazo. And that word was translated over in 1 Corinthians, shall be caught up. I'm sorry, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Shall be caught up. It has the idea of being snatched away. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians, in the twinkling of an eye. It's not going to be a slow progress. That quick! Snatched up! You say, well, where's the word rapture come from? I don't see it there, harpazo. Well, our word rapture actually comes from the Latin translation where the word is rapio. In 1 Thessalonians 4.17, we find in the Latin raptura. That's where our word rapture came from. And it describes being snatched away, being caught up. So while the word isn't there, the truth is there. The reality is there. So if some pea brain comes along and says, well, rapture's not in the Bible, you can answer them. The word isn't, but the truth is. The Bible reveals six things, six truths about the rapture. Number one, 
The Bible reveals the Lord's coming for his bride, the church. He's coming to take us away. That's what 1 Thessalonians 4 is about. That's what Acts 1. I love Acts 1, 9, and 10. Go over there. This has to do with his coming. See, even in, in Bible days, after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the apostles were going and preaching, Jesus is coming back. And Peter says there were scoffers in that day saying, where is his coming? It's been years he hadn't come back yet. Well, in Acts chapter 1, let me get over there. In verse 8, the great commission he gives there to those who are saved, he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these, these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. Now, the movie rendition of that would be, while they were watching, he was taken up into a cloud. But I don't think it happened that way. I think, as he finished speaking to them, all of a sudden, phew, they're looking at a cloud. Where'd he go? Did you see that? Phew. Look what it says next. And while they look steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back just like he went. In the clouds. We'll get to that in a minute. So number one, Jesus is coming back for his bride. And that's going to happen at the rapture. Now let me stop for a minute and caution you. Jesus has two times when he's coming. He's coming once in the clouds to get us. His bride, the church. That's all the people saved during the church age. That's all the people who put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just Baptists. He's not looking at church roles. 
He's looking at hearts. And while I think saved people ought to be good, sound, fundamental, independent, Bible-preaching, window-rattling, shingle-pulling, temperamental Baptists, they don't have to be to go to heaven. Amen? But anybody who's put their faith in Christ is part of the rapture. We're part of his bride. His bride is referred to in Ephesians to present himself a bride. The second thing is, all believers are going to hear the trump. They're going to hear the trump of God, the shout of the Lord. I don't know for sure. I tend to think we're going to hear what John heard over in Revelation 4, verse 1. Come up hither! Yeah, and John went up to heaven so he could get the revelation. Maybe. Maybe it'll be more, I don't know, warm. Not just come up hither, how about come on home? Every believer will hear that. The third thing those who have believed in Christ and died in Christ are going to rise first. I said we've been to three funerals. I preached two and attended one. And all three funerals, I went to the cemetery and I committed the body to the grave. And when I do that, I tell people, this is our duty. We have a duty to commit the body to the grave. And if they're saved people, I say, until the resurrection when Jesus is coming back to get us. See, one day, there's going to be big doings at the Shrine Cemetery. And Arlington Cemetery. And every cemetery. Because when Jesus comes to get his bride, many of the members or parts of his bride, the church, have already died. And their spirit is with him, but now their spirit is going to be reunited with their body, and the bodies are going to be resurrected. I'm going to leave it there because I'm coming back to that. So just get the picture. When that shout comes... Those who have died in Christ are going to come out of the grave. And they're going to start going up. And then we, which are alive and remain, are going to join them. Paul says, we're not going to prevent them. That really means we're not going to go ahead of them. Just because we're on this side of the dirt and they're on the other side of the dirt. 
when we all get together, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Hmm? You got it? So now we're all together. And we will be snatched up. Up. If you can do this, do this with me. Play imagine. If you were out in the parking lot and you looked up, what would you see? Not a trick question. Huh? Sky. Up. That's what's up. The Bible says there's three heavens. There's three ups. There's the heaven of our atmosphere where the birds and clouds and everything. There's the heaven of the planets and stars. And then there's the heaven of God. But they're all up. And if you want to start a fight down south, you point out where the psalmist said, heaven's in the north. Made that mistake and got that t-shirt. So Paul says, we will meet the Lord in the air. But I had somebody call me and, and they had had a conversation with somebody else who was listening to this guy that said he's a Greek scholar, etc., etc. And when the rapture happens, there's not going to be any clouds. And he's supposed to be a King James Bible man. Will you look at our text? Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, up, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where's the air? And that air refers to the atmosphere where the clouds and the birds and everything are. So that's where we're going to meet him. In the clouds, in the air. And so shall we ever be with him. And the Bible says we'll be with him for all eternity. Our journey will be over. We were pilgrims and strangers here. But we were home. Come on, home. And now we're home for good. Amen. The unsaved scoff at what I just said. All of it. They say, you believe that? You believe that all the believers are just going to disappear and go? And, and Yeah. Amen. You're wacko. You're not the first one to tell me that. You're misguided in your thinking. You're a Bible thumper. 
They think that anybody who really believes in the rapture is vastly disillusioned. But think about this. Noah preached for 120 years and they mocked him, laughed at him. You really believe in the flood? Yeah. You know, when that rain started falling, they changed their minds real quick. But it was too late. Once that door closed, you with me? I thought about Israel. The prophets of God came and told them, if you don't straighten up, God's going God's to carry you off to Babylon. And they, that'll never happen. Till it happened. They even mocked Jesus when he spoke about who he really was and the coming days of judgment of God. Oh, Matthew 24 and 25, how it talks about the judgment. They mocked him. Listen, just understand, God's word declares the reality of the rapture. It doesn't matter what Mr. So-and-so says or what this one says or that one says. God says, I'm coming back to get my bride. The second thing, it's a relevant event. What do you mean? There's a reason for the rapture. Number one, the reason for the church the body of believers save people. And this rapture is to deliver us from the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on this world during the seven-year tribulation. You read about it in Revelation. You read about it in Ezekiel. That seven years is when God is going to pour out His wrath on this world. It's coming. And He tells, tells people, there's coming a day when I'm going to do that. And all the terrible things that's going to come. Revelation is so filled with with the things that are going to happen here on this earth, and they're, they're horrific. But God says, my bride ain't going to do any of that. Amen. Saved people are not going to have to go through that. Amen. Jesus is going to take them home before it starts. Now, let me caution you. Among evangelicals, so-called people who believe the Bible. There are three positions on this rapture and when it's going to happen. I gave you what I believe is the correct position. Before the tribulation starts, he's going to get us out of here. The Bible says he's going to save us from the wrath to come. 
There are some folks who say, oh, no, 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 no. Church is going to go through the first three and a half years. Now, their belief is that there will be no wrath poured out in the first three and a half years. I don't believe that. Now, it won't be as terrible as the next three and a half years. But there will be judgment in that first three and a half years and terrible things. Oh, we're going to go through three and a half years. Well, if you want to hang around, have at it. I'm out of here. The other group, and I never realized these people were even around. They believe the rapture don't happen until the end of the tribulation. We're going to have to go through the whole tribulation period. And they believe when Jesus comes to set up his earthly rule and reign, that then when he comes, he'll rapture us and then bring us. Don't make sense. Besides, they said he's coming with his saints. We're supposed to come with him. How can we do that if we're still here? Mark it down. Pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that. Amen. Now, what about the relevance to us? Hmm. You know, most believers look forward to the rapture. We kind of have an anticipation. I, I've said, and, and I, I got this from Pastor Fidena, I'd rather be taken by the upper taker than the undertaker. When I do funerals and I see all that rigmarole that they go through, and I think, Lord, just take me. I don't want them painting me up to make me look good and put me in that box. And I'd just soon go But we look forward to it. Because, number one, it delivers us from our flesh and blood bodies. How many of you are over 50 and you admit it? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Hmm? These old bodies wear down and wear out. Things quit working. Mm-hmm. Hearing aids, glasses, false teeth, new knees. Where you at, Pastor Meyer? New knees. These bodies were out. Doctor's visits, good night. I can remember a time in my life, if I went to the doctor once a year, it was a big deal. Now it's once a week. We look forward to the rapture because we're getting rid of these flesh and blood bodies. We're getting out of this world with its hurts and heartaches and trials and tribulations. And we look forward to the rapture because it removes the necessity to die. Amen? We're going to be like Enoch. It says he walked with, with God and he was not. 
We're going to be like Elijah. The whirlwind came and took him. No death involved. We just go. Listen, it's sad when you have to watch somebody going through the process of death. Rapture comes, we won't have to. We need to live every day like this could be the day because it could be. For you theologians, what I just said, that it could be today, is called the doctrine of imminency. I-M-M-E-N-C-Y, imminency. Well, the rapture could happen today. Please get this in your mind. And somebody said it this way. The rapture is signless. See, people say, preacher, you think it's the last days? I said, looking around, seems like it could be. Yeah, the signs are all around. No, they're not. Not the signs of the rapture. The signs of the second coming. He doesn't give us signs of the rapture. He gives us signs of the second coming. Say amen. Now that doesn't mean things aren't getting worse and we're seeing all negative things and things happening. But it's not signs of the rapture. Signs of second coming. But the second coming can't happen till after the rapture happens and the seven-year tribulation happens, which means if we're seeing some, some signs that maybe a second coming's not too far off, it means the rapture's that much closer. Hello? Yeah. Quit looking for signs. It's going to happen. Oh, so many people have tried to set dates. I told you about the fellow who sent me the book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Has to Happen in 1988. I still got the book. I read it and I said, he's all wet. I knew it before I opened it. Yeah, How did you know? I read my Bible. God says, no man knows the hour of the day. It was interesting. 1988 came and went. No rapture. I got another book the next year. Why wow, the rapture is going to happen in 1989. And he said in the book how he made a miscalculation of one year. Let me read this to you. This happened in April 3rd, 1843. It's not the first and only time. It's happened time and time again. This is just one illustration. 
How many of you know who the Millerites were? They were the ancestors, if you will, of the Christian science people. Not Scientologists. Christian science. Mary Baker, Glover, Patterson, Eddy was the head of it. It wasn't a big religious. Anyway, all over the Northeast, half a million of these Millerites, they call them Adventists, of New York, William, Evangelist William Miller, awaited the end of the world on April 3rd, 1843. Journalists had a field day. Reportedly, some disciples were on mountaintops hoping for, for a head start to heaven. <laughs> Others were in graveyards planning to ascend in union with their departed loved ones. Some high society ladies clustered together outside town to avoid entering God's holy kingdom amid the common herd. When April 4th dawned, as usual, the Millerites were disillusioned, but they took heart. Their leader had predicted a range of dates to the end, dates that have also come and gone. We had, who, who was the guy on the radio? Camping. Got on the radio a couple years ago, predicting the rapture. He's gone. The rapture still hadn't happened. Nobody knows. The rapture. It's also a sudden event. Paul says it's going to happen in the blinking of an eye. That's a nanosecond. How long does it take you to blink your eye? I don't mean... You know, your eye blinks, you don't even know it. That's how fast it's going to happen. And then the rapture is a reckoning event. What do you mean? Well, there's a reckoning to it. Reckoning speaks of accounting. Taking account of something. You know, if I reckon my checkbook, I take account of it. Our, our thinking about the rapture has ramifications, if you will. When we reckon about the rapture, it impacts our life. I said it brings an expectation. You know, the world, unsaved world out there, is walking around wringing their hands. They don't know what's going to happen. They, we don't have to do that. Amen. Number one, the worst thing can happen to you today is you die. That's not so bad. We're going to heaven. Huh? We get out of this mess. But the world don't have that. 
Best thing to happen today, the rapture. And it could happen. We live with that every day. Hey, I might get out of here today. Hmm? Wouldn't it be wonderful to leave that car payment and that mortgage and, 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 and that housework that's not done and that thing you were supposed to fix and you never fixed and just... <laughs> you unsaved don't have that. And then it brings a, a stronger dedication. Not just expectation, but dedication. I read this story... Some of you might know the name Robert Murray McShane. He was a, a dynamic preacher in Scotland in the mid-1800s, a little earlier than that. It says he was a, a brilliant young Scottish preacher, and he died at age 29 in 1843. They said that he had a watch that he kept. And on that watch, he had the words put on it. The night cometh. Engraved on that watch. Right on the face of the watch. And now every time he checked his watch... He was reminded that time is marching on. Our time's marching on. Our time to win souls and serve the Lord and, and be faithful in church and, and uh, uh, just live for the Lord is marching on. We must be focused believers. Dedicated serving him. And then it stirs us to preparation. When we were down there in Jacksonville at our church, we used to sing this. We had three sections. We'd start here, go here, and go here. And Brother Lenny Willinger, one of the assistants, would lead us singing. And he'd start over here. Behold, he comes. And they'd hold that. And then you go here. Behold, he comes. Now we've got two groups. Behold, he comes. And then the chorus. Friend, will you be ready when Jesus comes? Are you, are you ready? It could happen before we get home from church. Yeah. Cheat the restaurant. Out of your meal, right? Cheat the waitress of your tip. could happen this evening. I personally believe it's going to happen during the day. Because we're going in the clouds. Maria just had a birthday. Could be before your next birthday. 
But every day we better be ready. You see, when it happens, it's not going to be, well, wait a minute, Lord, I have to. No, 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 no. Oh, I got, I got to confess this. I got to get this right. I got to, no, 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 no. When he shouts, you're gone. You better be ready. Ain't no fooling around. And once you're there, you're there. Give me one. I got to give you this. And this is scary. The rapture is a restricted event. Not everybody's going. As a matter of fact, I believe the majority will be left here. Jesus said, broad is the way to destruction, narrow is the way to salvation. How many saved people do you know? How many unsaved people do you know? It's restricted. Only saved people are going. Amen. I remember our, our children were saved when they left home, got married. And then they started having children. Ain't that something how that happens? And we began praying for our grandchildren to get saved. Now we're praying for our great-grandchildren to get saved. See, if the rapture happens, we don't want them left behind. Same as if something happens to them, we don't want them to go to hell. You have children? You want them left behind? You have family? You want them left behind? Go through that tribulation period? Never to see heaven. It's restricted to save people. And all the unsaved are going to be left behind. Often, Christians say, well, won't the world be amazed and believe now? I used to think that. But I don't know anymore. I think, I think the devil is preparing this world for the time we leave. What are you talking about? You read about alien kidnapping? We chuckle, but listen. The Antichrist is going to deceive the nations. And I believe they're already putting in place some kind of 
some kind of story about what happened to all of us. Maybe it's, well, the aliens came and took them. Hmm? But I really wonder if they're, if they're going to be amazed or if they're going to be deceived. But either way, left behind. No hope. No hope never, ever, ever being able to come to Christ and go to heaven. Lost and undone without God or His Son. That's a hard saying, isn't it? We rejoice that we're going. But why don't we try to take some people with us? Why don't we get burdened for people who are going to be left behind? We know the truth. We know how they can go too. But somebody got to tell them. Hmm? Let's bow our heads. The rapture's real. It's going to happen. Some people say, well, I just don't agree with that. It doesn't matter. It's going to happen. You can disagree all day long. See, you can't say that. Yes, I can because God said it. God who cannot lie said it. Will you be ready? Are you ready to stand before him and give an account of your life? How you lived for him after you were saved? The rapture happens, that's the next thing. Judgment seat of Christ, when you will give an account. Every man will give an account of himself. You ready for that? How many Christians in this room could honestly say, I know I'm not perfect, but I believe I'm ready to go. Here's my hand. Hold it up high. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. God bless you. How many believers in this room say, Preacher, I'm not ready. There's things in my life I need to get straightened out. And I'm making a decision today. I'm going to get ready. Here's my hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God put his finger on something in my life today that needs to get straightened out before I go. Here's my hand. I want to be ready. Maybe there's a sin. Maybe there's a failure. Are there people in this room say, Preacher, uh, <laughs> I'm not saved. And according to what you said, if it happened, I would not go. My family would go because they're saved. 
probably even some of my friends would go because they're saved. But if it happened anytime soon, I would be left behind. And I don't want to be. And you said the only way to be a part of that rapture is to know Jesus as my Savior. And today that's what I want. I want somebody to take the Bible and sit down in a quiet place with me and help me to see the truth and come to Jesus today. That's my desire. Here's my hand. Would you hold it up high? I won't call your name. I won't embarrass you. I need to do that. I don't want to be left behind. Here's my hand. Let's stand together. God speak to you today. Christian, God speak to you today. Would you be willing to come and speak to him? Do some business with him? Get some things straightened out with him? Maybe pray for some people that you know aren't, aren't going if it happens. Beg God to save them. Will you come? Mrs. Hansiger, play the song of invitation.